Welcome back to Minus 16 with myself, David, and my co-host, Alex. We've got another great guest you on the podcast this time around. It is Michael Soldad. He came on and we had a fantastic chat. We talk about everything, all to do with his remarkable journey, and we take a deep dive into what makes him tick, his content creation process, the direction that the channel has taken, the YouTube lifestyle, and even why the Apple Watch Ultra is so damn good. So... Let's get on with it. Here's Michael. Hello, gents. Welcome along. It's, well, it's good evening to Alex and good morning to Michael. Michael, how are you? Good morning, David. Thank you so much. I'm doing well. Uh, a little frazzled just because I had to get my kids out of the house before I had to hop into this uh What, YouTubers podcast, have real but... lives, you mean? <laughs> like kids and responsibilities and have to do things. <laughs> I know. I know. I keep forgetting. I, I have children. I forget. I forget this. It's best to um, get but them. But doing well. <laughs> Thank you, David. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited. Absolute pleasure. How, how old are your kids then? Because yeah, Alex, you've got a boy that's 10? Yeah, he's just coming up. He's going to be 11 next month. So um, yeah. And your still kids, Michael? Um, I have a four-year-old actually turning four and turning seven. So... A seven-year-old, seven, soon to be seven-year-old daughter, and soon to be four-year-old son. Oh gosh! So it's, yeah. a, the, the it's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> journey, <laughs> and you find time to make videos as well. I take my hats Absolutely. off to you. My daughter has oh, flown the nest. She's you. living in London, twenty-five, and I speak to her on the phone. That's it. <laughs> my job's done. <laughs> I'm at the other end of it. <laughs> I'm nice. very early in the journey, so <laughs> very, very it, get, it gets easier. I promise you. So if you two guys begin to look tired towards the end, I'll know why. <laughs> I've got nothing to do after this at all. <laughs> So Alex and I were chatting after our last podcast and we said it'd be great to get you on and chat about your experiences on YouTube. And, and, and Alex and I were mentioning uh, before we started recording that you seem to start and get a lot of success during lockdown, the beginning of lockdown. Would that be right, Michael? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were speaking to Alex. No, no. Sorry. Let's talk about your channel. Let's talk about your channel. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know about um, Alex. Yes. I'm bored with Alex. I want to talk to you. <laughs> You're the new I'm kid sorry. on the block. <laughs> I've got a yes, actually, friend now. Well, I, I should probably rewind back a little bit. And so the whole, the whole, this whole YouTube thing was never in the plan. I, I used to say that I'm, I, I still say that actually, I'm an accidental YouTuber right. only because I never really thought of doing this. Um, little backstory. I am a graphic designer. Been, been, have been a graphic designer for the last more than 15 years. I'm we share, we share that in common then. I've got a graphic design oh, company. Oh, really? Mm. Interesting. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's it's a uh, so you know how it is, right? Mm. So part of that part of that um, I would say career has a lot to do with. Um, well, I, I should just say that I think part of that a, a big part of it uh, comes uh, self doubt, uh, the, all these questions about whether you're a good designer or not, and it, especially me, I'm a self taught designer. I never really thought that I would have or I have the essential skills to even call myself a designer. And I've been doing that for the last, for 15, I did it for 15 years. And what happened was I got laid off from my job. It's happened to me three times in those 15 years. And the last one being, I would say I was a little bit more prepared. So when it happened uh, early 2018, I figured out 
that at that time I needed to start networking. And I was never really um, a, a very, I guess, talkative. I am a talkative person, but I don't like talking to people because I feel like I'm always um, inserting myself in conversations where I'm not really invited. So I'm not so much of an extrovert, but I wouldn't call myself an introvert as well. But I did pursue that that skill to, to try to be better when it comes to just talking to people. And it seems to have worked because as soon as I got laid off, probably I would say less than a month after getting laid off, I actually landed my first client. And then this first client was a, um, a previous coworker and he recommended me to another office, another coworker, and it kind of got the ball rolling. And for the next two years, uh, my graphic design uh, business was actually booming and it was great. But I've, throughout the years, I've learned not to get comfortable because as soon as I get comfortable, that's when I become complacent. And when I'm complacent, there's no more growth. So if there's anything that I've learned from my entire journey, it's just that, to always seek growth, to, to find ways to elevate myself, my skill, whatever it is. But the point is to always keep moving. So um, it just so happened that after about two years, we had this thing called the pandemic and all my clients went away. And so after they all went away, I was actually not so much as afraid. Uh, I wouldn't say I was prepared because no one was prepared for it. But mm. I, in my, in my mind, I knew what to do. So since I didn't have any other graphic design clients or work to do, I decided to work on myself and I started taking more photos. I started to make more videos. Actually, at this time before the pandemic, I started my Instagram account and I really just wanted to share my the progression of my home office. This was 2018. It wasn't such a big thing back then. And I was really surprised to see how, how much it resonated with people because I actually wrote something about, about this a, a few nights ago where I talk about, uh, you know, I guess society in general is just used to this this whole concept of being in a cubicle and you sit in a cubicle and they expect you to do good work. And for me, especially as a designer or a creative, uh, it's very hard for me to just sit in a gray space and, you know, basically being told to be as creative as possible. So when I, once I got laid off, I decided to breathe life into my own personal space because this, this was the first time I was able to actually do this. And document, documented that journey throughout Instagram and kind of just grew a following there. But mm -hmm. as soon as the pandemic happened, um, you know, I think for me, the next progression, since I couldn't really do any more design work, was to just start creating videos on YouTube. And that's how I ended up doing YouTube. So kind of accidentally a YouTuber. I know it's a long-winded uh, story, but that's basically the backstory of it. But I have to say, I remember kind of starting YouTube around kind of just after the pandemic, the 2020, um, early 2020. And I do remember, um, I think it was, I don't know, way before I had maybe even 2000 subscribers. It was kind of, um, I was looking at one of your videos and I, I remember distinctly thinking, wow, no, this guy's got some style. And obviously it makes sense you, uh, with your background. Um, and then that, that comes through, through your thumbnails, it comes through your every, you know, even your email signature has got some style to it, which is, you know, really, really cool. I mean, I thank you, Alex. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an inspiration. I have to say, you know, whenever I, I think about doing a, a, a desk setup video or even a photo for Instagram, you know, I, I have a look around for inspiration. I always come across your, your stuff. That's very nice for you to say. I mean, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. 
I didn't know this. <laughs> Again, no, it's, it's, it's that old thing. It's never as easy as it looks. You think doing a, a desk setup video is going to be super simple, but it's not to make it look creative no. and appealing. No. And you've made a whole channel. Well, yeah, you're uh, exactly the, the sharp intake of breath kind of says it all. Was that I mean, always that, the that, idea? That, sorry, Alex, sorry. I said that the garage setup that you've just done recently is, is incredible. Are you there now? I can't tell whether you're there or not. I am. It, it, looks, it looks amazing. Thank you. I am. I'm actually yeah. in the garage. Uh, there is a slight echo, but the microphone is doing, oh, yeah, no, I'd it's, say, it's a fine. decent amount of work. Yeah. However, it's not an ideal setup, but it is my own space right now. Mm. Um, I can't really <laughs> soundproof this area. And I actually, it's funny because I just texted my wife and I said, because she's, she's not home right now. And I said, just make sure that you're aware I'm doing a podcast right now because the last thing I want is for the garage door to open while I'm speaking, while I'm on camera. But yes, I'm in the space right now. And um, to answer your question, David, was was your question whether um, desk setups was really a thing? Was that, or was was, that the plan? Was that the plan behind the channel? When you, was it that the main get-go, the, the, the driver? Absolutely not. Actually, if there's one thing that I wished, I wish I, I changed um, earlier, earlier on was that when I started my Instagram journey, it was focused on my specific desk setup. And when I did that, I got sponsored by a company called Ergon Office and they sent me this really nice desk. And I'm like, oh, this is really different. I, I, wanna, I wanna try to see if I can improve my space. I did that and kind of grew from there and someone else sponsored me a desk. Someone sponsored me a chair. It was a weird thing. And during that time, it was very new. So it felt a little weird for me to, to create content around that context. And I didn't really lean into that. So I made the video, I made another video and I made, I think a third video. And at that point I'm like, I don't know if people want to watch this because I don't want to be known as the desk setup guy. And I actually said this. <laughs> now I'm kind of regretting it because it's like, I didn't know it was going to be a thing. I just thought it was, part of it was this, this whole, um, uh, what do you call this? This when you doubt yourself, the um, imposter syndrome, right? Mm. I'm like, who am I to speak about desk setups when I'm just working on my own and I like this thing? And you know, not really realizing that you don't really have to be an expert. You're just someone who likes a particular style or, or design or thing, and that's mm. all you're doing is just sharing it with the community. And so I never leaned into that. So that was never the um, the intention of the channel. However, I did make a couple of videos um, around that subject. So now I'm a little bit more forgiving with myself and I'm a little bit more open to the idea of just creating these type of, um, of content on YouTube. But it's not going to be just desk setup. It's always mm -hmm. going to be anything that has to do with technology, um, having a, a really nice space and just anything to do with home office, I would say. Um, but I'm open to trying different things because if there's anything that I've learned uh, in the last few, in the in the last few years was that not to not to be too close minded, like to keep my options mm. open and to explore, to keep exploring. I think that's such a great point. I um, I've been told many times, especially at the very beginning, to you know focus your content, or some people use the term niching down. And I think mm -hmm. to a certain extent, I I kind of agree, but maybe. Not to the not to the extreme, right? So, of course, you can't be doing a a, a video. Well, you can, but you know, you wouldn't work a video about cooking or uh, about right. real estate when your channel is more, you know, as you're saying, 
kind of a, an office setup or, or tech in general. But mm-hmm. I, I was, I was, you know, I was being told by people saying, "No, you can't do a, a video about Apple one day and do a video about Android the other." Mm. And I'm thinking, I, I don't know. I, it's the stuff that I like. I don't, I don't like to kind of be too close-minded, like you're saying to a. Absolutely. To a and brand. I think um, the important thing is is to remember the psychographics, right? So mm-hmm. um, I always think about this, like just because I do um, content surrounding or I create content surrounding desk setups, it doesn't mean I, that's the only sole focus. Like people who like desk setups also like chairs. So I could talk about chairs. People who yeah. like chairs also like um, nicely designed. I don't know. They, they like speakers, right? Yeah. So that really, the psychographics is that it's basically realizing that the people who buy the desks also like certain things. They like technology. They like um, uh, handmade objects, for example. They like, and it's, it's almost a personification of, the things that I like, and I'm just mm. really trying to materialize that into like content, right? So it's, um, I like the setups. I also like speakers and it works well with my desk setup. I have, I like headphones. I have a bunch of headphones. So you're not necessarily, you are dynamics, aren't they? Are they What's bi- that? Bi- they biodynamics headphones? Yes. Yes. These are by dynamics. I thought yeah. I, thought I, I recognize them. them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love them. It's, it's my favorite. Actually, I was uh, right before I hopped on the, uh, the podcast, I am testing out these, these very premium Bayer Dynamics, they're, they're the, uh, what do you call it? I can't even remember the name. The Emeron, Emeron C- Copper. They came out right. a few years ago. Um, and they're not the most comfortable, mm-hmm. but they are the best sounding that I've ever tried. Wireless headphones, bar none. And I'm like, this is, I'm, it's kind of blowing my mind because it's yeah. like, this is an old pair of headphones, but they come from a reputable company. They're not selling just like the other headphones because maybe because of that but they perform really, really well. Anyway, uh, I could get down into this whole um, <laughs> headphone uh, rabbit hole. I, I don't want to, but um, yeah. So to your point, Alex, I think it's important to niche down, but it's also totally fine. And I think personally, I think it's smart to diversify the content, in, but it makes sense, right? It makes sense for you to talk about Apple products and Android products, because these are the things that you use yourself which yeah. means you have real input. You have real opinions on these products. And you're just finding the people that like to watch and listen. I, I always like to think about it as when I'm creating uh, videos on YouTube, it's like I'm presenting to my friends, right? The friends mm-hmm. that I hang out with, the friends that I speak to, they're the people who are always interested in the things that I have, right? Or I'm interested in the things that they have. Like my brother, he's very much into bikes. I talk, I, I talk to him about bikes and, and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, it's a natural way to start a conversation because I'm interested yeah. in it. They're most likely going to be interested in it. Yeah. And I also think that there's a, as a creator, I mean, uh, so, some people are different. Some people actually like to say, actually, I'm going to focus on this thing and I'm passionate about it. And I'm just going to talk about it until the cows come home. I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit more, I can get quite bored quite quickly talking about tech, you know, and, and I, and I, and I think like we're all, start YouTube, you know, well, I'm still not a full-time content creator. So I use YouTube almost as a, as a bit of escape. And if I find myself seeing YouTube as something that, oh, here we go again, I got to do it almost like work. It, it won't work. Right? I think I, yeah. I, I also like, and I think it's important as a creator to have that escape and, and use it for a bit of fun and talking, talking about gadgets, whatever they are, right? Talking about desk setups or, or whatever. I think it's, it's important not to be too 
Yeah, as I said earlier, no, close-minded. Yeah, you, no. I, are you full time yet, Michael? Sorry, David. Are you full time? I am full time. I you am full time. And as I was just how long um, ago? Um, since the I would say since the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, a purple so, patch for YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, such an interesting journey. Not to say I don't uh, take graphic design clients anymore. Mm-hmm. I do, but I'm very selective, and I'm totally okay with that because I honestly don't have enough time. And that was, that's the thing that I was going to say. Um, Alex's situation is, to be honest with you, I, I'm a little bit envious because it, YouTube does feel like a chore a lot of the time, a lot of the time. Because if I don't create content, I don't get paid. So the challenge here is to keep things as interesting as possible for me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think I know where Alex was going. Um, sometimes the things that are interesting to me are not interesting to my audience. And I think it's one of those things that I'm slowly refining. I wish I could niche down a little bit more. I wish I could really um, figure out the algorithm and say, if I create content like this all the time, then I'm, you know, I'll be fine. But again, even if I do figure out that formula, it's not going to be fun anymore, right? Like no. why would I even hit record and, on the camera and be like, all right, here we go. It becomes yeah. work. And I've, you know, I've actually followed a couple of channels and a couple of um, influencers throughout the years that I used to love. But then throughout the years, when I watch them, I don't see the passion behind it. I don't see the excitement. It mm-hmm. sounds and feels like work. And I've lost interest. So I think in this current journey that I have, I always try to remember that I just have to keep it interesting for me, because if I'm genuinely interested about, you know, something, I'm not really going to be too concerned about how many people watch it. I'm going to be concerned more about um, what my friends, and when I say my friends, like the the current followers, the current subscribers, I consider them my friends, right? What would they Mm -hmm. think? Would they think that, oh yeah, that actually is a pretty cool uh, thing. So I try to not think of it too much, although it's it's very, very impossible. To, to not overthink things. And you know this. It Alex. is, it is. Yeah. And there's so many it, challenges. I was thinking about it recently about the, the seasonality of content. Because sometimes I get really excited about something that has nothing to do with the, with the season, right? There's, there's no launches about it. No one is really searching for it. But I want to talk about it. And, and I just know if I put it out, <laughs> the, the video will tank. Um, I think, uh, yeah. David, we were talking just before Michael joined, right? About your, your headset. Yeah. It's a fantastic uh, kind of um, topic, but there's no one searching for it. So, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's really Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. interesting when, Michael, a, little, a few months ago, you were talking about the content that you make. And I just wondered how you find it, whether you search for the algorithm and make videos for the algorithm, or I'm gathering from what you're saying, you tend to try and make content, yes, that you're interested in, but also that you think is relevant to your listeners rather than just... I mean, this algorithm thing, none of us, I guess, truly know. We've got an idea of what's going on. How do you, mm-hmm. when you're planning your content, what's first? Is it trying to tick the boxes for YouTube or is it actually trying to tick the boxes for your channel? Because it's all to do when you mentioned niching down. And yeah. early on, when you get into this game, they say you've got to niche down so the algorithm learns what your content is going to be and who they can give it to. But your content is actually very diversified from earbuds to watches, to jewelry, you know, and, and beautiful objects as well. So it's almost a lifestyle channel. Yes. So, yes, absolutely. So I think you, you hit it on the head uh, perfectly. It's more like a lifestyle channel. So I always told my wife 
the idea or the green the the dream for this brand, and I call you know this the the name, the channel, everything my brand. The goal for that brand is to be imagine it as a magazine, right? I know maybe some of your listeners might be too young to even know what a magazine is, but it's a it's it's. I grew up in an age where I used to buy magazines, like actual magazines. And I loved it just because it was a lifestyle type of thing. These are the images that I aspire to uh, to be or to have or to experience. So I think of the channel as a magazine. And anything or anyone who wants to be a part of that magazine, I try to attract. So yeah, I design everything from the way, the, the things that I talk about, the space that I sit in, um, to be that lifestyle. So I'm hoping that I just attract a certain audience and a certain, I guess, category. And it's been really interesting because because, because of that, I've, I've, I have a very diversified, um, like you said, like my content is very diverse. So just this morning, actually, I just posted a video about a projector. And it's like, like why would why would I cover a projector? Because it's something that I would like to have in my home setup, and it's it's different enough that it's interesting. Um, I think the best here's a best example that I can give you. There is a channel on YouTube um, called the OG. I wish I hope I'm right. It's the OG Garage, I think, and this started from an individual who liked to. Um, clean his car. This was from years ago. And he's an introvert. He's more of a, um, I would say, um, a non-creative person. And he actually did not like to speak in front of the camera. But what he did was he would just sit down, record himself, wash his car, and talk about why he washed his car a certain way. And Mm. through, in the last 10 years, he's amassed this specific audience and this specific audience may not be as big as probably the you know the most popular YouTubers that we know, right? But they are a very um, uh, I would say they're they're up there a premium audience. These are the people who spend money on uh, the type of flooring that they choose for their garage. These are the the same people who will pay two hundred dollars for a bucket just to just to pour their water in so they can wash their car. It's such a niche. Um, it's it's such a, a specific audience, and these are the people who are not afraid to right. to spend money, and they also drive really nice cars. So it's I think it's one of those things that um, I aspire to be just that particular person that a lot of like that attract a certain audience as well. And you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I feel like if I'm able to achieve that then I can freely and openly just talk about the things in my life uh, mm. that I like and inspire me and the audience will just follow. I, yeah. I hope I answered that question. I know I, I kind of went around in my head and I wasn't really sure. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's so okay. I mean, that's a great thing of when you get to talk to other creators, even better. I mean, I've been to Alex's studio a couple of times and when you, you can actually sit with other people face to face, it's even better. But this, just getting together and sharing stories of how other people find it because mm it just breaks the day up as much as anything, doesn't it? And it just gives oh, yeah. you a different perspective. And I know I've been yeah. up with you, Alex, and I've seen your, your wall where you plan out. I mean, what's your planning process? Do you, how far in advance have you got content planned for? Uh, the next two months, at least. Wow. Um, it doesn't, 
I like to have a plan, but you know, as, as we've just seen in January, a great example of being flexible and being able to, uh, and be, being prepared to, to drop things last minute is a thing as well for me because, you know, someone like you know, a company like Apple or Samsung may just launch a product out of the blue, like they did, like Apple did in January. Right. And that threw my plan completely out, but you know, it's, you know, I, I, I've, I, at the moment I will always favor the growth of the channel. So I'd definitely put sponsors out I put content that I had planned because I thought January based on the previous two years <laughs> was going to be very quiet and dead. So I was like, I'm dead. Do yeah, but it's not, no, it's not. It's, it's actually a really good point, Alex. It's, um, um, just to tag along on, on, on what you just said, yeah. uh, I'm also that way. Like I try to plan out the content and I'm fully booked for the next three months at the yeah. minimum. And those are just the things that I want to talk about. I'm not even taking into account the sponsors, the, 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 the products that might be launching. And so I keep myself busy in that yeah. sense. I think originally that was your question, David, like how far or how do I plan mm, for the mm. content? I have a list of things that I've written down that I'm planning um, because it makes sense to me, but I'm also very much aware that well, you know, just one random day, someone's going to say, "Hey, we have this new product that the market hasn't seen yet," or Apple drops a new product. And I think to Alex's point, it's one of the struggles with being a YouTuber. It's that you have to be aware that these companies can just magically release something one day, and you have to talk about it just because yeah. it's going to be in your favor, right? Absolutely. And it's, yeah. for the growth of the channel. And that's ba basically what happened to the Apple Watch Ultra. Uh, I know you mentioned that. That was something I wanted David. to, yeah, because I know you both had yeah. great successes with videos on Apple Watch Ultra. And was that almost a product that was so revolutionary, looked so good and was so premium that it was heaven sent for you guys and your channels? There's so many um, little nuggets like that. I think one, one key thing was the, the way Apple marketed the watch actually worked in, in a lot of our favors because they mark they marketed it to people to people who do you know <laughs> extreme sports and, and things like that and I, I'm pretty much the opposite of it but um, that made me want it even more and I think there's a lot of customers out there who are in the same boat who are thinking you know this sounds really like an amazing watch but I, I'm not the right person to have it but you know I think the way I portrayed it in my channel was I'm just a dad and, and I'm I'm having a great you know great experience with this with this product. So uh, you know, I learned a lot from from that from that content because it, it taught me something that whenever you see a product that is a little bit out there, that's different. It's not like the iPhone 15 or 16 or 17. Um, that's that's good good opportunity there for content. Um, yes. This is not the same, and you you're always going to have a different take to the bigger channels. Whereas with products that are more you know every year, you just see a, a minor upgrade or a minor difference your advantage as a smaller channel is, is not as, as great. So I think I, I learned a lot from that. I don't know, Michael, yeah. what, what you took away from that Apple Watch Ultra because I'm loving that. Well, you no, said actually, much that same, you, actually, did you, Michael? That you, again, you said you're not an outdoor sportsman. You're not the big outdoor. No, and, no. And yet you're still loving that. <laughs> no, like if I, if I ever mentioned physical activity, um, <laughs> if, if physical activity and my name is mentioned in one sentence, all of my family and friends are going to start laughing. <laughs> they know this. I know this. I'm just not that guy. But I am. I am a person who loves watches ever since. I've always loved analog watches. And so to me, 
Um, I've said this in the in the past. I have the Apple Watch Series One, and I, I still have it. Um, I bought it when it first came out, and I stopped wearing it. And I said this in my Instagram post years ago. I said I'm I'm not wearing my Apple Watch Ultra. I mean, my Apple Watch anymore because I love it so much. Uh, meaning, it's so it's so convenient to have to wear that I've actually given up wearing all my other watches. And so I stopped wearing it and I put it on the on the my my shelf. But then the Apple Watch Ultra came out and I'm like, "Oh, I think this is the time again for me to to try it out. I know I'm going to love it right away. I know I'm going to love it, but because it looks so different. Also, I'm all great. about it looks great. Like I also I'm all about in it, it it's funny for me to say this. I was going to say I'm all about being unique and individuality. And considering that the Apple Watch and Apple Watch Ultra are basically the same looking watch, you know what I mean? Like everyone's going to have it. I think the Apple Watch Ultra was just a little bit different enough from, I should say mm -hmm. more, it's a lot different from the regular Apple Watch that I felt like it's going to be unique to me. So I bought it um, without really, here's the truth. I didn't intend to buy it so I can make a video. I thought it was just really interesting. I wanted to try it out and I bought it. And I got it actually late in the game. So I think all the videos came out a week prior and I was on vacation. I was in Hawaii with my family and I was actually kind of bummed out because I'm like, I wanted to try this out, this, this watch out uh, at the beach, you know, while I'm swimming with my kids or whatever, but it never happened. So by the time I got back, that's when I got the watch and I used it for a few days. And I'm like, you know, you know this is actually really good. And I think after another week, that's when I started to, to think about the video. I'm like, let me make this video. And I was just going to say that what Alex said is very true because it's such a, it's such a, it goes against the grain with the rest of the popular watches. Um, people are interested in it. And I think Apple was correct with assuming, uh, basically marketing it to extreme uh, hmm. sports or whatever people, adventurers, because they know that the average person is still going to want to watch, but want, going to want to try it out. So they're, they're trying to be controversial, I think. They're yeah, trying to be controversial absolutely. in that space. And it definitely drummed up a lot of um, interest from people because now, um, in the beginning, I feel like it wouldn't be selling so well if not for people like Alex and me who just are not the demographic for the Apple Watch. But we bought it and we think that it's amazing. And I think that generated, it's, it's the question that a lot of people are asking themselves. Right, like yeah. I want the Apple Watch, but I'm ashamed to buy it because I'm not an athlete. But look at these people; they they talk about it and they really love it. And that's why in my video, I basically say, you buy the watch because you want it. You want you like the way it looks. You you like the way it functions. I mean, I have other watches that are diver watches. I <laughs> I've never gone diving in my life. Actually, I've I've done it once. Um, you know, it's just an aspirational thing. So I think um, they were correct to market it in that way. And I think that's why the video did so well. And just yeah, before coming on to your video, I just one thing I wanted to mention is, I think I was listening to maybe The Verge cast. It was a podcast I was listening to and they said they were glowing about the Apple Watch Ultra. They said they've kind of missed 50% of the demographic. It's not really for women. And I was wondering what are they going to do about bringing out, because it's just so large, I think on a woman's mm -hmm. wrist it would look very ungainly. So I'm just wondering yes. how they're going to attack the idea of a, uh, well, I mean, I can't call it a, a woman's Apple. I just wonder how they're going to address it because it's kind of 
it needs addressing, doesn't it? Because women are saying, well, we haven't got the version that the men have got. Yeah. 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 Now I've got, I've got a couple of uh, people saying the same in my comments, actually. I, you know, they tried it even because they liked the way it looks, but they said, yeah, it was too big for, for, for them. Mm. But um, what I was going to say is the other aspect of it from a content perspective is the, the fact that it, it is, you know, like almost unattainable and, and hard to get, but they priced it in a way that it makes it possible, right? For a lot of people to buy. Uh, also drew a lot of attention from from people who wear a Garmin and whatever. And, and even if they don't want to buy the, the watch, they want to have a look at what we're saying about it to then say, mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've got the Garmin, whatever, and it's better. From a content perspective, YouTube loves that. I mean, I think the algorithm is one thing that I learned from that uh, Apple Watch Ultra content <laughs> is that the fact that you're attracting an audience that never would never have been, come and seen my you know, iPhone reviews or whatever, they, they usually go to sports channels and whatever. That is great for, for growth because YouTube mm. probably thinks, you know, the algorithms probably think, hang on, why is this channel attracting this new audience? You know, let's show it to other people. The, uh, yeah, the channel grew, you know, in three years, it was the most it grew because of that, of that content. And unlike mm. Michael, did you actually buy the watch purely for content? Or again, did you buy it because you just like the watch? And the content yeah, was a hundred percent. Yeah, I, when I watched the event, I was a little bit mm, not sure, but it took me a couple of hours thinking about it and think, now, nah, yeah, this is going to be a, a fuse magnet. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to see and say, no, I really like the watch because my my previous Apple Watch was a Series Five, and I, and I never saw the reason to to upgrade, mm-hmm. um, and and mainly because again, I thought, you know, the views wouldn't wouldn't do great on my channel for it. Being being a little bit different, um, I thought, yeah, no, this this would do well. But it turns out, I actually genuinely love the product, and uh, I, I, it lives with me now. You know, I even sleep with it most nights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't got the ultra. I recently got the eight in, in the last year when they brought it out at the event in September. I, I joined in with the eight, and I'm an absolute convert to Apple Watch now. I don't think it'd be long before. Uh, the mm. ultras on my wrist. If I get YouTube to pay me a little bit, then I'll buy one. But <laughs> I right. wait for that. I, I keep it, making these stories saying I won't buy this for the channel until, and I've told lies on every single occasion. <laughs> it's like I keep on buying it's, things. It's, it's, make- it's, a, it's a real struggle. It's a real struggle. I think um, it's funny too because like uh, when they announced it, I remember. I think they did a live stream. Did a li- I don't even remember when they did that Apple event, and I was live streaming with two other friends, three actually, and we were talking about the Apple Watch Ultra. And everyone says, oh, I'm not going to buy it. It's too big. Or, you know, I'm very perfectly fine. I was the only one who was excited about it. I'm going to buy it because <laughs> I wanted to get it for myself. Now all of them have it. So I think the, the point is there is going to be that, that people, right? Like that, that sample of people who, who are quietly just kind, kind of like defying um, the things that they like, right? They're, they're like, for example, um, the, the the people who are actually athletic or who are athletes who are adventurers they they already know what they want from their from their watch from their garmin actually most of the people that I talk that are in that space they don't really care for the Apple watch they're like oh yeah it's an impressive device but they don't really care they they what they really care about is the performance and that's why they stick with their garments because this yeah. you know the garment you know mine can last up to a, a week without having to worry about anything it has all the things that I need to track. And that's why I know that Apple knew this. They knew this, that they were not going to convert all these people. 
But mm. what they want is they want to elevate the rest of the of the of society to be in that level. Like, oh, I want to. I also want to feel like I'm an adventurer. And so they were really appealing to those type of people. Like, if you think about the MacBook Pro, for example, mm. right? The MacBook Pro, the MacBook in itself, is a a good device. I knew. I'm actually a family member. Um, was in college a long time ago, and he would buy the highest spec MacBook Pro just to write blogs. I mean, he definitely doesn't need it, but he feels like he gets a lot more experience and also status from buying the the Pro version. That's why it's called a Pro. It's supposed to be for the pros. But a lot of the people who are buying products, first of all, because they're expensive, if you have money to spend on Mm. the Apple products anyway, you're going to go for the highest, right? The highest trim, or a lot of the people do. And so they don't need it. We don't really need it. I don't, honestly, I don't really need the Apple Watch, but it's a, it's, it's, again, it goes back to aspirational. It goes back to like having the best. Uh, I always mm-hmm. try to think of it as like, if you buy a car, do you buy, maybe, you know, where it's all different for, for people. But for me, if I buy a car, I don't go for the base trim. I want to add on like these little uh, other, um, what we call this like options, right? Like the, the features, because I feel mm-hmm. like I want to get more out of that experience than just the basics. Although both cars can take me from point A to B, the air conditioner works and the radio works, right? But mm-hmm. I want nice things. And I think that's what Apple has, has always been doing with their marketing is they're slightly improving some of the things. Do you really need it? No, not really, but um, you want it. And that's why people yeah. buy it. Which actually, yeah. I was, yeah. I, I've uh, just subscribed to your podcast early on today, the Coffee with Creators, and I was listening to one. Oh, thank you. When we were getting ready, <laughs> and you were talking about being at CES, and and Sony have collabed with Honda. Who is it they've collabed with? The car Honda It is Honda, isn't Honda. it? Yeah. yeah. It just mm-hmm. tied in very neat to what you're saying then about the whole aspirational lifestyle, because that's as you mentioned on that podcast, it seems a very weird m- melding of, of brands, Sony and yes. Honda. Sony have yes. always been kind of at the, the height of their game. I'm not saying Honda aren't great cars, but they're mm-hmm. not necessarily an aspiration. I'm trying to be careful how I put this, but they're, 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 you know exactly what I'm saying, don't you? They're not the one. No, the cars yeah, they're not. They're on the bucket. They list. are the they are the people's car, right? And I'm actually a big fan of Honda just because they're not expensive. They're um, they're one of the 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 most most reasonable, sensible vehicles that you can get because you get more for the money, right? And I think it makes sense that they partnered. First of all, because Sony doesn't have the infrastructure to actually make the cars. So it's almost like Honda is benefiting from the branding that Sony has. And Sony is, ma- is benefiting from the manufacturing's you know, perspective, right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. And I think this is going to be interesting because I feel like one day Sony and Honda is going to be one company. Just, you know, I'm just thinking about it because if you listen to, um, I think it was Decoder, was it Decoder by Nilay Patel or was it The Verge Gas? Sure. I can't remember. He makes me laugh. But I love listening to Nilay. Yeah, he, <laughs> I know. He's my favorite. But um, he interviewed the CEO of Mercedes. And Mercedes doesn't even consider themselves as a car company anymore. They call themselves a, uh, a technology company. So even for Mercedes, the premium of like the premium um, normal cars, mm. um, they, can, they have that, that foresight. They know that cars are going to be household technologies, you know, technology. It's just something that people buy on a regular basis. So I think that's what Sony and Honda is doing, um, or at least that's the vision. 
I'm really interested. I'm really excited because I love cars as well. Um, mm. But actually, I was just going to ask Alex, have you considered attending CES? Because it's a great event. I think you would get a kick I, out of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I attended the virtual one in 2020. I saw the the, the opportunity there, but it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the same as being in Vegas and meeting yeah. people. I'd let, yeah. uh, definitely. It's on, my, it's on my bucket list for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. David, if you can, if you can, I definitely highly recommend it as well. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's something else. Now my feet are sort of firmly dipped into this pool. It's, it's, de- it's one of those things I'd like to, to experience. Because, of course, you were there this year, weren't you? And Was it back to yes. its full pomp? Was it as good as it had been in pre- or This wasn't your first CES, was it? No, it was my third. And the first one was the best because it was fully open. And people were excited for new things. Uh, and the next, the next, the next one was the worst one. Uh, this one was much better than what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, a few levels lower than the best one that I've attended. And mm-hmm. it makes sense because not everyone's ready. But all the big names are there. Um, the booths are it, you know, are nice. Except for actually, I should say Google wasn't there. So Google usually has their own. Um, almost like their own event outside of CES. It's really interesting. So CES, yeah, they have like the, uh, you go into the convention center and everyone's inside. But Google being Google, they like to have their own event. So it's like they have their own party right in front of your house and they have a big slide and they have cameras and everything. And it's it's very exciting. Google mm-hmm. wasn't there uh, this year, but it's it's definitely a really good event. Like much better than what I was expecting. And that only tells me that people are ready. You also, it also helps you gauge interest. It also helps you to see where the market is going, or at least where the interest is going. Um, mm-hmm. But I think my biggest takeaway from a, a CES event really is that's your opportunity to network with the brands. And so for creators, I highly, highly encourage this. If you're a content creator, you have to try to attend CES because this is where you shake hands with brand managers, with PR people, and you will be surprised at how many companies come out there and they have no idea what to do because their point, their goal is for people to talk about their products or their services. So this year, they were a lot more aggressive. And when I say aggressive, I'm, I mean it in a good way when right. it comes to talking to creators and the media. So if you're a content creator, you have a badge that has this uh, particular color and they know that that's the, the media badge. They are very excited to talk to you because they want you to talk about their products and services. That's because that's the goal, to gauge enough interest and to to get people talking about them so that they can make a sale at the end of the day, right? So if you make good relationships during your visit, that can really lead to humongous opportunities. That's That's such a good point, uh, Michael. I think that that brings kind of to to my mind something that I've been thinking a lot about. Obviously, as the channel grows... um, I'm very conscious of the content that I put out and the brands that I try to associate with. And whereas, you know, in the past, I may have just, you know, accepted a lot of things. I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit um, more aware that, you know, it's, it's a relationship, right? I mean, you know, we're not here yes. for, you know, for a little, um, like, you know, get rich and, and <laughs> yes. you know, quick, quickly go into something else. This for me anyway is a long-term thing and I hopefully, you know, it, it will, it will become a, a self-sustaining business. But I, that, you know, that, that element of the, the brands seeking out creators more aggressively also tells me that 
the audience is more valuable, right? So I think as a yes. creator, we have to protect that and make sure that, you know, that we're, we're you know, dealing with, with the right people. And because there are so many, you know, we, we get daily emails. I'm pretty sure my, my oh, yeah. the same, right? That, I follow your, yeah. your, your Twitter, you and Patrick. And it's like, <laughs> I, I, I see the emails. I'm like, oh yeah, they also emailed me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious because, and you know, I think a lot of people have not realized this yet. Creators do. Creators know this. Like how right. valuable our yeah. service is to just commerce in general. Yeah. Like I, I studied advertising when I was in college. Traditional advertising. And mm -hmm. even then I was so fascinated by it. And it's like, this is my favorite topic. And it's funny that I've, I've ended up in a situation where I kind of, you're I'm in, in advertising, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm in the industry, exactly. But I always compare this to, um, and I've said this story so many times, but it's my favorite. Like when I was in college, they used to, they, we all, always used to talk about the billboard, right? If you are a company, if you're selling this, this mug, for example, and you're, uh, you want to buy some ad space, you select a billboard from the highest, like whatever it is, whatever, whatever location it is that has the highest amount of traffic. Obviously, you're also taking into consideration the demographic, right? Is this area where the shoppers who have the money to buy this expensive mug, do they live in this area? Do they drive by this area? Or, you know, do you go to like an, you, you definitely don't go to an area where the people there don't buy this particular product. So there's a lot of logistics, just trying to think of where to place that ad. And then you buy the space you pay an installer, you pay the printer, and that's not even taking into account paying the, um, the production of the actual, actual media, which is, you know, you hire a photographer, a makeup artist, uh, a copywriter, an art director, and a graphic designer. So all said, you end up with a product that has very limited copy because you're assuming that the people driving by at 40, 50, 60, 70 miles an hour will look at the ad They'll read it and it'll prompt them to buy, right? right? And you're also hoping that it's your ideal demographic that, you know, that drives by. Not only that, the billboard has a life shelf, uh, a shelf life of depending on what your contract is, like a month, two months. So they're already spending hundreds of thousands of dollars just yeah. to get that one billboard. For Alex, for example, he's a creator. He talks about a specific thing a premium thing, he talks about phones, talks about cameras or whatever it is, right? Technology, these are expensive products. A company can reach out to him. And just by talking to Alex alone, Alex has the ideal demographic, the direct connection to their demographic. It doesn't matter how big they are. He is putting out a message to that demographic, the exact customer that the brand wants to speak to. The problem with the brand is they don't have that connection with the customer. So they go through Alex because Alex has already made that relationship with them, right? So it's very yeah. insulting for brands to reach out and say, hey, for the, um, this keyboard, it costs $200. This will be great for you, whatever, blah, 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 blah. To your point, Alex, earlier, you have to protect your audience from these mm -hmm. type of uh, collaborations. 100%. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, that people know. Companies know this. They just hope that we don't know this. So the creator economy, I know I hate that buzzword just because it's, it's everywhere now. 
but yeah. it's the next step for advertising. It really I is. And I saw it fully at CES because the, the, the brands are excited to talk. They don't have to hire an agency anymore. They just hire you, but you have to yeah. have to realize how much power or how much opportunity there is from your position. Yeah. And you price yourself, you price yourself the way you should. That right? was something and it's that very I was just important. Yeah. going to mention actually. Very I know important. Alex and I have chatted about it is, is the, knowing yeah. the value of your brand. And as you say, you've done all the hard yes. work for these other brands. You've done finding exactly. the audience and the reach. You've done the demographic search. You've written copy essentially when you've scripted a video. So you've done all yeah. that work for them, for them to come to you with an insulting offer of what your value is. And obviously the thing yeah. is once you've sold cheap, there really is no going back. Then is it your brand is suddenly devalued. Yeah. Also, yeah. like the most popular thing, the counterpoint that they would have is, oh, you only have 100,000 subscribers or maybe 20,000 subscribers or whatever. None of yeah. the things that I've said had anything to do with the subscriber count because your content is always evergreen. Like you post it out there and the algorithm can pick it up today, tomorrow, I'm next year. It doesn't matter. It. Yeah. 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 Anyone can watch it. It doesn't matter how, how big or small yeah. your, your following is. It doesn't even matter anymore. I think that's, I mean, that's, I think the more creators that start to think like that, the better it will be for, for, for creators in general, because it's, it's a problem, right? When we're, you know, giving ourselves value, we see as, as a business, I mean, you're a full, full-time content creator. So we are protecting ourselves as well and making sure that this is sustainable. Uh, yeah. But then, you know, when you, when the brands know that they can go to channels and sometimes I've experienced it, you know, channels even bigger than mine will, will accept some of these um, freebies and, and, yeah. And that, you know, doesn't do much for, for the creator. I think that there's obviously a balance, right? When you're starting out, I think it's important to, to accept. And, I, and I've been there myself, right? To say, yes, actually, for the, for the growth of the channel, for the growth of my um, skills as well, right? I need to learn how to make this stuff. I'll accept some stuff. And then I will say yes to, to a lot of things. But I think after that, it become, when you're becoming uh, a little bit more, you know, people come back to your channel because they trust your opinion then you got to be a little bit more careful. And, and like you said, you know, value, value the. Absolutely. Uh, the 100%, 100%. And, you know, just to clarify, it doesn't mean you shouldn't accept free product. What I'm saying yeah. is you should know the value of what you're offering because I still get free products. And actually that's another topic I want to very briefly talk about. There's no such thing as a free product. Absolutely yeah. no such thing as a free product. Everyone who, who accuses me of saying, oh, you just got it for free. Like, what are you talking about? I never got, I never get anything for free. Free means that you get something without have no expectations at all. But if they're yeah. sending me this and they are expecting me to create content, to work, to write, to that's film, <laughs> to edit, that's not free. That's work. So they're yeah. paying me with the cheapest amount of money that they can, they can, they can offer. Nothing is free. So, but also to what you just said, Alex, when you're starting off, you have to start, you have to understand that you sometimes, most of the time have mm -hmm. to accept free products and not free. I, I hate using it. I just say you have to accept products as form of payment for now yeah. because you're building your portfolio, just like a design. When I was a designer, I can't just go, go to um, a company and say, oh yeah, $50,000 for this design. Okay. Where's your portfolio? you know, well, this is the value that I offer. You know what I mean? It's, it, it doesn't make sense. You have to yeah. be, you have to have common sense at least to understand it. But yeah, it's mm. correct. Um, I think it's just important because um, it's, it's, it's such a thing that I hear all the time. Co right. uh, creators are complaining about um, getting free products, not getting paid. I think there's just, uh, it's just a matter of changing the language because 
most of the brands know this. They know that that they have a budget to spend on marketing. And obviously, if they have a choice or an opportunity to not spend as much, they'll go for it. But yeah. this is our opportunity to educate them, to yeah. just tell and them, it's, hey, it's so, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. It's so unregulated as well, right? So that's the other thing. Yeah. In a way, I quite like that because it's, it's, it's a different way of doing business and I prefer to do that sometimes. But at the same time, it allows for brands to, pardon my French, but taking the piss, right? <laughs> oh, okay, exactly. Yeah. yeah. If I say I always, no and someone else mm -hmm. say yes, they, they will just carry on doing it. Yeah. And, and that's to totally fine. I really don't mind it at all. Uh, I mm -hmm. honestly don't think that because person A accepted it as free is going to be a problem for me because my audience is completely detached from his audience. That's, yeah. a, that's yeah. the way I see it, right? Like yeah. he can keep accepting things for free. I, I don't really, I don't really mind. They, cause here's an argument, uh, a brand, and this happened um, many times with me, uh, they would reach out and say, okay, you know, we'd like to send you this product. Can you make a video about it? And I'll say, yeah, sure. This is what you can get. Uh, you can reach this audience. I'm really excited because I've never really tried this product before. Um, my, my audience is going to be excited to watch it. Um, it'll take this much uh, for me to create this content. And, you know, all right, do you have the budget for it? And they'll say, why are you so expensive? We've worked with a channel that has a million followers and they don't charge us. And well, my response is like, you're, you're more than welcome to work with them again. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a reason why they're reaching out to you. Exactly. It doesn't matter if they've given free products to other people. They're still reaching out to me. Then if it's yeah. if follower count is what matters to them the most, then why are they talking to me? Right? That's yeah. how I see it. So I think um, it's just their their marketing thing, right? It's especially yeah. agencies. This is where we have to be careful. Brands don't very rarely represent themselves anymore. They go through agencies, and this agency, agency A, will talk to agent to to brand A, and they'll say we can create this campaign for you for X amount of money, right? So they give that big lump sum of money to the agency and the agency is going to be like, all right, how can we spend this money, you know, wisely? Let's try to give out free products instead by, you know, so what you're just trying to do is trying to get a bigger piece of that pie, basically. And yeah. it's sales and marketing and everything. It's nothing really bad about it. It's just yeah. the technique, I think, and just learning and going back to making relationships. I think the better your relationship with whoever you're talking to um, is, um, you have a better chance of getting paid a lot more. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. It's almost like you've been reading my emails because that's that's <laughs> almost a, on a every other day you got you have that conversation, right? <laughs> right. Yes, every single day. Every most of the, most of the time, I just delete them now <laughs> because I don't have the time. <laughs> yeah, and just going back to CES for a moment. There was something that just crossed yeah. my mind. I was, I was writing uh, the blog early on today and I was talking about the HomePod that's coming. And the link there is, what was the drive at CS for Matter, for Thread and for smart homes? Did you notice any kind of major interest in it now? Or is it beginning to get a swell? I think most of the people still don't understand what it is. Um, there is definitely a huge drive over Matter. And it's like, um, that, that's the thing that everyone echoes throughout the event, right? So it's like, this is powered by matter. This is powered by matter. But you ask the regular person out there, even the one in Best Buy, walk into Best Buy, talk to any of the customers, Best, sorry, Best Buy is like, it's a big box store, right? Um, technology and everything. Um, it's a retail store, but you walk into this thinking that the customer, the average customer that walks in knows exactly what they want to buy. But you ask them, 
what is um you know what is matter they won't be able to explain it to you so it's um there is a big push there is a big drive i think it's really just um having people be comfortable with that term and understand that it's the best right now right like it's the best it's current it's like for example i was just talking to um the representative from tp link they make wi-fi routers mm. i even asked them i said okay can you explain to me what wi- wi-fi 6 is versus a uh, 7 that has this and that and that and they're like to be honest with you it's just better technology. Like they had a hard time trying to explain it. So a lot of it has, is also just buzzword, right? Like, but matter, matter though, it is, it is, I think, important because it's finally a standard mm-hmm. that everyone can just try to um, apply to all of their products moving forward. I'm probably the wor- worst person to talk to about smart home products because I'm learning it myself, but Same. in a nutshell, yeah, in a nutshell, matter is what matters. And as long as it's supported by your device, that's a good thing. Less lag, more, um, more. It's it's a lot more stable, and it's just it's just better overall than what we've been using for the last how many years? We've been flip flopping between. Um, I don't even remember the the different types before. But yeah. if, if my understanding of matters right, and like you, I'm very much learning when I wrote the blog today. I was doing a lot of fact checking, but it's kind of the idea that you can mesh together different manufacturers, you don't have to stay within Apple or you don't have to stay within... Exactly. You, yeah, so everything should work together now. That's the idea, isn't it? Right. Yes, because the problem before is we had different standards. We had Matter, we had... Um, th- these d- different companies were all betting that that standard that they're setting was going to be the standard overall. So I'd mm-hmm. like to think of it as like, remember when VHS and Betamax was a thing? I was just thinking about Betamax. Listeners, yeah. if your listeners are much younger than... I don't know. Anyway, but Betamax and VHS were a thing back then. And they were both hoping that the standard would be, you know, what they had. So it's, that was the battle, basically. Eventually, we ended up with DVD. And DVD is essentially matter. So that's like the standard. Everyone has a DVD player. Most computers could read it. Most players can read it. Even games, right? So that's, that's how I would think about it. And so now all these companies and products can now just manufacture that one thing that matters supports. And just driving back, that's a, actually it's a pun you'll understand in a moment, to what we're talking about, Sony and Honda. Apple Car, talking about aspirational products that would be perfect yeah. for your channel. Yeah. Do you think it's likely? I mean, the story seems to be at the moment that it's happening, but it's no way going to be the car that they hope to, fully automated car, that's just the androgynous car. It's not going to happen. That They've got to have some form of human input still. What's, what are you hearing about the Apple car? It just sounds like it'd be heaven sent for your, your kind of lifestyle channel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I think um, Tesla's already dominated that market. Although there is a caveat though, right? Tesla doesn't really have um, fully autonomous cars. And I think that's a, it's a pipe dream at this point. There's really... I don't see any that happening anytime soon. In terms of like the Apple car, I don't know if that's going to happen, but it, you know, we've always, Apple has a very interesting way of doing things. Like sometimes they, they release like these, these statements that we're going to do this. Like I remember, I think the most significant with regards to the Apple car is the, well, what presentation was that Alex when they showed the user interface of the, the vehicle? It's like Apple taking over entire like that was last spring wasn't it i think it was wwdc i think last summer i think so yeah yeah they showed the dashboard didn't they yeah if you think about it like 
that means that every single manufacturer will have to allow Apple to basically take full control of their computer in the vehicle. So it, it really doesn't make sense for, um, it, I don't know if that's going to happen at all. So then the next logical thing would be for Apple to create their own car. But again, mm. we get back to manufacturing. Who is going to spend, like why does, is it, does it even make sense for them to, to spend all this money to create a factory the same way Tesla and all these other startups are doing, which by the way, are struggling and trying to understand, you know, just how much money it actually takes to get one car out to the public. I don't know if that's going to happen. The most yeah. likely scenario in my head would be, they would be partnering up with an exclusively with a manufacturer. I mean, don't quote me on this, but I have a very good feeling that it could be someone like Hyundai or um, maybe not the, the Hyundai group. So Hyundai Kia, because they've, they've been really um, aggressive with their push for EVs ever since, like surprisingly aggressive. And they actually have really good cars. They have, they all, they have a lot to work with in terms of branding, but um, you know, years from now, who knows? Who knows? Maybe they're much better. Uh, in a much better position to actually have a collaboration with with Apple, for example. I don't know if Apple is going to work with Tesla. Hmm. That's, I think, that everyone's dream. I think that would make sense, right? Or maybe yeah. even Rivian. But we'll see. It's really such an unknown space right now. But as far as like the Apple car, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Not even the yeah. in the next 10 years. I don't think so. Like you're saying that the challenges are, <clears throat> excuse me, huge, right? Uh, I was... <clears throat> It's okay. I was working uh, just before COVID. I was working for uh, Dyson, and they were trying oh. to build a car as well. I think they they even started production. They they've got you know a lot of the manufacturing going, but th there was so many challenges. I can talk about it now, but yeah, it was there was even the silly things like the design changes that they wanted to build like a, a Land Rover, but with luxury. So it was like a Bentley SUV. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was just like Interesting. crazy, crazy designs, but it very quickly realized that it would take a lot of, um, yeah, a, a lot of money. And it's just, um, yeah, despite him being a multi-billionaire, even for, for Dyson, it was, it, was, it was something that they had to pull out. Right, right. Well, I'm curious, what did you used to do for Dyson when you worked for them? Uh, technology. So was, um, I'm basically an, an IT consultant. So I was doing a lot of their... They're 10 minutes away from home. So where we moved to here in the countryside, is, it just uh -huh. happens to be 10 minutes away from Dyson. So I always thought when we moved here, I wonder if I could ever work there. And it just happened, right? So I was like, okay. I, so I did a, <laughs> That's like a year and a half there. It was, it was a great place. I mean, it's, it's an inspirational place because mm -hmm. he's an inventor and he's never, you know, he's still the chief engineer, James Dyson. He never mm -hmm. stopped. And I was there when they were talking about the, this headphone that comes cover your I was going to yeah, ask about that. Like, are you going to try that out? Yeah, that's a, that was a CES, um, one it? that looks, it, I correct. did not see it at CES. It, it, it makes you look like you're Optimus Prime. I'm <laughs> it's not for, curious. Um, for the Western sort of um, culture. I don't think it's, I mean, you'll do well in Asia for sure. It wasn't Dyson nice the brand I saw on your website, Michael? I think I got it. Yes, um, correct. Um, so I've worked with there Dyson. Yeah, in, some nice brands yeah, they, here. They, Bose, yeah. Dyson, so they, LG, they, yeah. Yeah, they they um they sent me what was it again before the the very expensive light, the light cycle morph. 
such yes. a weird name. Oh yeah. yeah. We had uh, our desks in the office. It was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a great product, but it's such, it's such a niche product. I have the big one, the, um, the, the floor lamp, that yeah. version. And I've moved it around so many times and I still love it because when you detach the thing from the base, it's so light and it's just, yeah. it's just so smart. Like when people walk in, they're like, that's an interesting looking light. I'm like, yeah, you check it out. And it's really, really cool. So yeah. um, I love Dyson. Um, we have their vacuum as well. Um, but very niche, you know, um, still you wanna, definitely curious about that, the headphones. I really want to try that. Yeah. You want to upset people who work at Dyson You say, I love their Hoovers. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we still call it that, don't we? Even after all this time, we still call it that. I was, they're definitely a thing now, those headphones. I think, again, it was on the verge. I'm, I'm sure I was looking at their website and yeah. they had hands-on mm-hmm. using it and they were giving it a full teardown. So I'm sure it's actually a thing now because, of course, you remember last year, the release, the press release came out on April Fool's Day and everyone thought, mm-hmm. April 1st, is this a real thing? And turns out, of course, it is. I didn't know Dyson was that near to you, though, Alex. I didn't know they were that near to us. Literally 10 minutes, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, there was something I was, cool. uh, and I was just going to talk shop again with you guys. We were talking content yeah. and it go and, and getting product and, you know, the work that goes in behind the scenes that people generally don't see. Do you, both of you script? Do you fully script and read? 100%. Yes. I thought I was going to go get away with not writing anything. Terrible, terrible idea. No, I, I have to script 100%. And script writing, I don't know how long it takes for you, Alex, but it takes me like two days. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on about three or four at the same time right now. Uh, tonight, oh after this, I've got to finish my... Uh, I'm stressing content. out just listening about it. Yeah. It's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and will you literally have like a... Is that where you go, Alex? If you've typed it, is that what you read? Or do you come off script at I've, all? Uh, yeah, I've learned, uh, you know, by, by mistakes. Because, you know, I, if I watch my videos like two years ago, I can, you can tell I'm reading every single word. Uh, but I'm now, I, li- I leave gaps and I leave gaps for intonation as well. So you don't sound like a robot, basically. But yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still learning. I think there's more, t- you know, sometimes an idea pops up when you're talking. And you just have to ignore the, old, you know, the, the script sometimes. And, and it, in my experience, makes it a little bit more natural. And, and people, people comment on it sometimes. Well, where did that come from? That little joke or whatever. And it's usually when I free roll. Um, right. I can't do, I can't do the, a whole video without, without reading or without structure right. at least. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd yeah. get away with it because I came into YouTube from a radio background. So I thought, well, talking's the easy thing. That's the one thing I'd back myself to do. But when you're talking fact, that's an awful lot harder than doing a two-minute link in between songs. And the video I did this week, which was about the ARVR headset I was working with, a renders artist who's also a massive fan of the whole augmented reality world, and he was giving me detail after detail. And I was sitting here on Saturday morning thinking, I'm, I don't stand a hell's chance. I, I cannot possibly try to record all of this so i bought an auto cue at the weekend and they're not <laughs> i mean first attempt wasn't too bad but damn they're they're useful and it's a way forward whereas i was i don't when i had no script i was possibly taking 45 50 minutes to get an eight or ten minute video out whereas this week even first time mm-hmm. through i was mm-hmm. for a 10 minute video it ended up being i think i was only recording for about 30 and that was because it was fully scripted and okay first time through i did read to the letter yeah but it, well you well you might find um easier because you know you're quite articulate and for me you know english is not even my, my first language right so it's it's hard for me to to even command the language i'm constantly thinking of, of the words for you i think it just maybe sour bullet points 
Um, mm-hmm. that, that way you keep, you don't ramble. Um, but you, you're not, you're not going to sound like me like, stumbling across every single word. <laughs> and was it you that told me that Marquez uses bullet points? He actually scripts as well. Yeah. Oh, he uses, he? uh, uh, he writes his, his script in Google, uh, not notes, uh, Google find, Dark. I think it is. No, it's oh. just the basic, uh, no, really? I read yeah. his, um, Skillshare course that I, I, I listened to that yeah and it was fascinating how he does script uh, but he uses google find or whatever and did you script oh, okay. from day one michael oh, a, a google keep i think is the name that's what i've heard him talk about uh, okay from day one no no my early videos i did not script it was terrible because <laughs> i spend yeah i would spend hours to just make the intro mm. sometimes the intro took me days because I had to memorize everything. And then, you know, like what Alex was saying, like when you, when you read something and you try with the intention of memorizing it, you lose the personality, mm. the, the character, like the intonations and everything. It's just so weird and robotic. And I'm like, oh, this is terrible. So I started scripting uh, maybe a few months later, but just this year, actually, or late last year, I started using a teleprompter because I, still used to just try to memorize my lines. And it was a terrible idea because I'm like, <laughs> you know, let me just accept the fact that I'm terrible with memorization. But um, there is one channel that I like though. And he talks a lot about um, audio uh, when it comes to like headphones and also um, speakers and stuff. And his name is um, Darko Audio, I think. And I don't know if he scripts his, um, his, his videos, but he's the type of person who will just ramble on um, and sit, basically just sit down in front of the camera. Sometimes I'll have just like bullet points written down on a piece of paper. He'll just read, like he'll just talk about something and read it, talk about something and like, oh yeah, and then this and that. I think a lot of people also like that because it feels very natural. So it really yeah. depends on who you're trying to attract. And again, for that person, he is definitely attracting uh, a, a niche audience like myself included. Like sometimes I just want to see what people really think about um, a product or a service. And I just want to hear their honest thoughts. And with that raw presentation, I get a little bit more of that sincerity, I think. And yeah. so just the, the really the trick is in editing, just trying to edit out the things that you don't really have, you know, have to mm-hmm. say. But I guess you just get better at it as you keep doing yeah. it. I find that the best performing videos, and I can t- you can tell right by the analytics and see when people are clicking off or skipping. The best ones for me are the ones where I didn't read the script. Are the ones that I actually mm-hmm. just spoke. I either cracked a joke, or you know, maybe I had my son with me and I made a you know so, something funny happen. So I'm trying to in every video introduce a little bit of that. If I if I've got time, right? To I, I love being comfortable and, you know, looking at the camera now and sitting at my desk is something that I can do like, quite easily. But I also find that sometimes it's important to get out of your comfort zone. And, you know, sometimes even just moving to this, to, to this sofa there and just having it at yeah. a different angle and, and just talking a bit closer to the camera I find, mm-hmm. or, or even outside in the car or something, just introduce a few seconds of just free rolling. I think that's mm-hmm. really um I mean, I wish I had time to do that in every video, but I've noticed that when I do it, it, it really works. And I don't know if you've experienced that or if you've yeah. dabbled with vlog style sort of content. Absolutely. And I was just going to say like Casey Neistat did that for years, right? Like no production, zero production. Yeah. So Casey Neistat did that for years and really zero production. He would just 
turn on his camera and just start talking, right? Mm. So it's like a, there is something about that that, that connects, connects with the audience in a very natural way because then suddenly their, their guards are not up. Because when yeah. you're presenting something in such a polished manner, you know, sometimes even myself, right? When I watch someone and it's so polished that I feel like there is a, it's a little disingenuous. It, and I don't know if that's a fair word to use, but um, the feeling is there. I may not be thinking about it actively, but there is something about just watching someone be in their space, be themselves with all the mistakes and stuff. I've just recently tried to do this as well, where I don't even edit out any of the mistakes that I would say, just to see. Um, we'll see how it performs. I haven't really posted the video yet, but it's one of those things that I'm trying out, trying to see how I could be a little bit more natural and less polished. So that's a struggle with the designer side of me, right? Like, it's like, I want to make everything pretty, but it's like, there also is a problem where people just think everything's perfect when it's really not. So yeah. I'm, it's, it's one of the things I'm just, I'm still learning. Yeah, no, I, I think there's there's some people, I think Peter Lindgren is a good example where, you know, he even when he can, can't say the word, he will say the word in, in his own language and, he, and make that a little bit of part of the video. And I think that's great. And I also think and in, in your content's defense that a lot of people will watch it just for the aesthetically pleasing side of it. And I'll be one of those that actually enjoy <laughs> that perfection. <laughs> Thank you. No, no, it's, it, it actually, I recognize that. It's a very good point. Um, that's really the main reason why I try not to, I try to spend more time because, but you know, like you said, people watch it because they want to have a nice office, for example. And because it's nice, I don't want to make it ugly, right? It just doesn't make yeah. sense. Um, yeah. That's why I tried in the last few videos, uh, at the end of each video, I would have a blooper reel because right. those are the things okay. that I, that normally happens, but I'm hoping that it'll connect with the audience somehow i don't know if it worked but i haven't really of course buying in yeah. we're buying into you and your channel and your brand because we want to aspire to that perfect lifestyle that's what you're setting out so it's a it's a Basically, weird one yeah. for you to try to straddle because yeah i understand what you're saying you don't want it too polished and too anodyne but equally yes your brand is about beauty and about loveliness and tactility and exactly it, so it's it's a it's a tough one for you to try and straddle that that line casually isn't it there was a lot yeah, of words in there, David, that I would never come up with unless I scripted it. So I, <laughs> I was going to say thing. the same thing. Words is the one thing I've got. Yeah. I'm like, in, in, in my head, I'm like, I got I to gotta write this down. Put it hey, on my copyright website. Copyright for you like guys, words, you know, yeah. just talk fees afterwards. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we've pretty well, Alex, I know you said you've got about 400 scripts to write tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so, I'm, I'm not feeling I don't know I was dying earlier by the way I'm, I'm so let's just great. as we wrap up uh, next uh, video I'll be putting some links to where people can find you on Instagram and Twitter and your podcast as well which is like, I did subscribe to you I followed you on Apple Podcast today so I'm going to begin catching up on those because that's my kind of thing um, but if I was just wrapping up your next video Michael and your next video Alex what can we expect uh, you want to go first Alex sure uh, it's going to be the S23 Ultra uh, tomorrow <laughs> goes live tomorrow. So, wow. has, so uh, I'm gonna. So we're recording this Thursday evening. I'm going to spend Friday. This will get the podcast go out Saturday. I hope. Um, oh yeah. So when we all have a hundred thousand views by then, for yeah. sure. <laughs> so when we your Samsung video be up? Oh, oh yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, Friday. It's gonna be Friday. Yeah. Right. So Friday. by the time the podcast goes up, 
hopefully I'll put uh, a link to that in here then. And Michael, what can we expect from you next? So here's my list of things that I need to record. And, and right now, <laughs> this is just one of many, many things <laughs> that I've written down. But I'm thinking it's either going to be um, a feature of my gear corner, which I've just recently kind of finished. Um, a lot of people want to see the organization part of it, like why it's designed the way it is, why I put stuff there. So I think I might make a video on that. If not, it's going to be an update of my home office, which is the one that I've been using for the last how many years? Because I've updated it um, just fairly recently, new monitor, new decorations and stuff. See, it's still the same desk, but a lot of people have been asking about it too. So we'll see. We'll see which one um, takes my interest first. If it is the product, cool. corner, just one more question. What's your cable management like? Is it super, For, super, super tidy in the studio? In in the garage? Yeah. No. No, because, and the only reason, and it's one of those things that I'm figuring out because the whole idea for this garage studio setup is that I can move it. So when you can move things, you have to unplug a lot of things. So most of the cable is neatly tucked under the desk, but it's not the best. Like it's, there still has to be a better solution. Um, so no, I don't, I haven't really figured that one out yet. I'm still trying though, but it's uh, <laughs> it's one of those things I try not to remember until Cables you remind me. Huh? Cables be it's all. <laughs> <laughs> so guys I think we can wrap up what do you reckon yeah that was yeah. good yeah. yeah loved good it so there'll be Thank loads you. of stuff in, this, in the, in the uh, podcast notes is where your videos are and where people can find you guys and that kind of stuff Michael thank you we, uh, hopefully we can catch up again later in the year absolutely thank you, thank you for having me wonderful, excited, yeah. wonderful stuff you. thanks guys I told you it was an absolute gem many thanks indeed Michael for joining us on the podcast in the podcast notes you'll find all of the places where you can find Michael his website where he's on Instagram Twitter his own podcast I mentioned as well Coffee with Creators fantastic listen that is and also a link to his latest video you'll find links to Alex's videos and my own video as well all in the podcast notes we'll be back in just a couple of weeks time with another guest and another Minus 16 I'll see you then take care bye Oh,